morning, everyone. So today's scripture reading is from John 13, uh, 1 to 16. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from, had come from God and was returning to God, so that he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was, was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you... I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. That's all right. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, first of all, let me say it's good to be back with you. I've missed you the last two Sundays. Uh, it's good that you're here and that I'm here, and um, it is good to be back. As we continue our uh, look at what and who is Jesus, and today we're thinking about he is more than a servant, that Jesus is more than a servant. But before we go there, I'd like to talk to you about mac and cheese if I could. Is that all right? Good. So mac and cheese is an interesting thing because there's one way to make mac and cheese and then there's another way to make mac and cheese and then there's a third way to make mac and cheese and then there's, there's lots of ways to do it. So if you want to make mac and cheese, you could go get a box uh, at the store and you could dump that box out and you could take the powder cheese and you could put a little butter or margarine in a, in a dish. You could warm that up as you've cooked the noodles and then you can put that powder in there with a little bit of milk and you can mix it up and then all of a sudden you have mac and cheese at the end. And it's mac and cheese. Or, or you can get some really good butter and you can start heating that up while you have some really good pasta cooking in some really good water. And you can let that butter get really warm and then you can put some salt and pepper. And then you can put a little bit of flour and you can build yourself a roux. And as that roux gets better, then all of a sudden you start putting shredded cheese in. And you can get tasty cheese, but you want to make sure you get the most aged, tasty, tasty cheese that you can get. But if you want to get fancy, you could get Gruyere, or you could get uh, 
Uh, other taffeta is a little good in there. Maybe some blue cheese just a little bit. And then as that goes, then you put a little milk in there and a little milk. You can also use vegan substitutes for those of you who are different. See you over there, calf, right? And you just kind of warm it up. I will say this, vegan cheese doesn't melt as well as regular cheese, but that's all right. And so as you get it done, you can pour it in there. And then, then you're not quite done because then you want it to be a little bit soupy. Then you're going to put it in the oven. And before you put it in the oven, you're going to get some really buttery crackers or, or really, and you're going to sprinkle it over the top. And then you're going to bake that mac and cheese. And it's going to get really solidified and it's going to move. Now that's mac and cheese. We have leadership that we see in our world all around us today. People longing for leadership has been seen this week. People doing anything to have leadership take place. And so in our world today, we have box leadership and we might have real cooked, baked leadership. Jesus would say that leadership is that that is servant-oriented leadership. Leadership that moves us from being about ourselves to being about others. That's what real leadership is. That's why we can say that Jesus is more than just a servant. He is a servant leader. Robert Greenleaf was a, a, a business management guy, and in 1970, he actually coined the phrase servant leadership, and he built an industry out of that. In, in his book about the power of servant leadership, he says this, a servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities in which they belong, while traditional leadership generally involves the accumulation and the exercise of power by the one at the top of the pyramid, servant leadership is different. The servant leader shares power, but the needs of the others first and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. He says a particular strength of servant leadership is that it encourages everyone to actively seek opportunities to both serve and lead others. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus is more than a revolutionary. And in that, we looked at a passage in Mark chapter uh, 10, where Jesus is talking and he says that I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to give myself as a ransom for many. And we mentioned that that is how God, through Christ, becomes more than a revolutionary. He's not just starting something by taking over power. He's actually coming to serve. But in this passage, we see Jesus actually putting it into action in a new and exciting way for us. When we look at this passage in John 13, Jesus is gathering together. It's the Last Supper is what we call it. This is right before the crucifixion. This is in the last week of Jesus's life as he is preparing to go to the cross, as he is showing forth God's radical, steadfast, loving pursuit of us in its completeness as he does on the cross, we see him coming to his disciples and he's gathered them around and they're having a feast, this Passover feast. Interestingly enough, Passover is about freedom. It's about taking the people of Israel out of bondage and setting them free. And so they're celebrating that. And in the midst of that activity, Jesus comes in and he wraps a towel around himself 
And he gets a basin of water and he bends down and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He begins to serve them in a way that they have seen and witnessed before, but they haven't done themselves yet. Real quickly, let's kind of jump into this story of Jesus so we can see what took place at other times during the Gospels as we look at the biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We recognize that Jesus actually has his feet anointed twice before we get to this place where he anoints the feet of others. The first place is in Luke chapter 7. Luke records for us this story. Uh, Let me read it to you. One of the Pharisees had asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman from the city who was a sinner was When she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and she anointed them with ointment. Now the Pharisees who were invited him there saw this and they thought to themselves, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was that was touching him. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, yes, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them would love him more? And Simon answered, well, the one, I suppose, for whom he had canceled the larger debt. Jesus answered him, you've judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Not, uh, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased in kissing my feet. And you have not anointed my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with anointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she has loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So that's the first place that we see Jesus having his feet anointed and being washed. And then the second place is right before this passage that we're looking at right now in chapter 12. Jesus in John chapter 12 is six days out from the Passover. He's having dinner with some friends and Martha is serving and Lazarus, who is risen from the dead, is sitting there reclining from him. And then Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from Purinard and she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped her feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, said, why is this ointment not being sold? There are 300 denarii there. We could give that money to the poor. He said this not because he really cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to take money for himself. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it up. For she is preparing me for the day of my burial. In in Mark and in Matthew, he says, she will be remembered. Why is it important for us to go back to that section as we enter into this place? 
well, maybe it helps us understand what was going on in the minds of the disciples. So here the disciples have witnessed these two events. They've witnessed Jesus coming into a house, not having his feet washed, not being anointed with oil, not being kissed, right? He's watched, they've watched him participate in this place of walking into a place and being unwelcomed. Yet in the moment of unwelcomeness, there are two women who bring welcome. First is a woman that it just says is many sins. And she comes in and she is crying and washes as Jesus' feet. She anoints it with oil. She kisses him. Those are all traditional things that should have happened to Jesus as he walked into the house. The owner of the house should have said, let me wash your feet and take care of your cleanliness. It is so good to have you and greeted him with a kiss and should have anointed him with oil, welcoming him in. But that hadn't taken place. But here this woman with many sins who is overcome with the love that she has for Jesus. Notice that Jesus says, because of her love, overcome with this love that she has for Jesus, can't wait to anoint his feet, can't wait to sing to him, cry to him, wipe his feet, anoint him with oil. And then at the same time, we see Mary do the same thing with this important ointment and and pours it out over his feet to keep him clean. Now the disciples come in and they all sat down and they're waiting to be served. And nobody has washed anybody's feet. Nobody has done the job of the host. Nobody has said, well, that's Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's the mighty one. He's the one who we are following. He's our teacher and he's our Lord. One of us should probably get up and wash each other's feet. But they didn't. And so Jesus follows the example of the women who had come before. And he says, well, if nobody's going to do it, I'll do it. Now, Jesus knew this was going to (laughs) happen. It wasn't like Jesus was surprised that it wasn't taking place. And he gets up and he wraps the towel around him and he bends down and he begins to wash their feet. And we see three things happening here that we gather about why Jesus is more than just a servant, but he is a servant leader. The first thing that we see happening is he is preparing them. When he's washing their feet, he's actually preparing them. Part of, the part, part of why washing feet was important, it was to clean them up. It was to give them entrance into the house to keep it holy. And so he needed to wash their feet in in order for this Passover to take place well. And so he comes in and he prepares them. He washes their feet to get them ready for what is to come. Servant leadership always prepares people. It doesn't set them out on the course without having them ready for that course. Now, it could be that he's going to provide that care and that direction while you're on the course. But he's always already prepared your heart to receive what he is going to bring to you. Because we couldn't receive it if our heart wasn't prepared by Jesus. He has to do that work for us first. And we see that taking place. He prepares himself and then he begins to prepare them for what's going to come. The second thing that we see happen is correction. This is the hard part for us. Peter goes, wait, 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 wait. He realizes what's happening, right? <laughs> he sees what's taking place. Oh, oh no, I missed my opportunity. One of us should have maybe washed Jesus' feet and then everybody else's. That would have made me look really good and that probably would have been the best thing to do. And so he says, are you going to wash my feet? Incredulously. 
I love Peter because he just in, engages with Christ as Christ. Like you are, I, I know you, right? We sometimes, when we encounter Jesus, is we kind of don't want to admit that he's real. <laughs> we, we treat him as if he is just other. And he is other. He's high and lifted up and mighty and glorious. But in this case, Peter says, you're, you're going to wash my feet? Have you ever felt that way about asking Jesus? What's going on here? Maybe you have the last four days, five days, if you're in the States. What's going on here? What's happening? Right? He goes, hey, uh, uh, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? And Jesus replies to him, says, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will. And then Peter says something even bolder. No, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you can't be part of me. Unless I prepare you, unless I make a way for you, unless I get your heart ready, unless I, I make you clean, unless you are allowing me to intercede and work in your life, you can't be part of me. So Peter, you need to let me do it. Unless I wash you, you, you have no part of me. <laughs> Peter again, I love him. And then he says, well... Well, that's the case, not just my feet, but also my hands and my head as well. Let's do the whole thing, Jesus. Come on, let's get it on. If, if my feet is good, then the rest of me is better. And Jesus has to correct him. Jesus has to say, no, no, Peter, it's not about that. Too often, as we're walking, following this more than a servant, Jesus, we will take something good that he has given us and we will overblow it to where it becomes an idol for us, to where it becomes only that thing. It may be a particular way that Jesus had reached you, that Jesus impacted your life, and you think, well, unless everybody else has that, then they can't possibly be following the same Jesus that I follow. And you elevate something more than Jesus himself. See, that's what Peter's doing there. Look, if the feet are good, then everything else must be better, so just give it to me all. Part of the correction that Peter gets here is he says, no, I give you what you need. Jesus says, I wash you the way that you need to be washed. I give you the things that you require to live a life that is pleasing to me. He looks at him and he says, no, no. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. He's speaking about Judas there. Judas, who was the guy that stole money. Judas, who was the guy who eventually betrays him. But notice that it doesn't say that Jesus skipped washing his feet either. See, a servant leader moves towards those who are for and those who are against. A, a person who is more than a servant doesn't say, you're worthy of being prepared. You're worthy of being corrected. He says, I am going to prepare all of you that are here. Now, sometimes that preparation doesn't take. Sometimes our hearts are too hard. They remain stone and we can't receive as fertile soil the planting of God's grace and mercy 
within us. So this more than a servant, Jesus, he prepares and then he corrects. He says, no, no, that's not right, Peter. Focus on what I'm doing and who I am. And then the servant leader commissions. When he has finished washing the feet, he puts back on his clothes and he says to them, do you understand what I've done? And I'm sure some of them are like, yeah, you washed our feet, thanks. And some of them are like, no, I don't understand what you've done. And Peter's probably still like, what's going on? (laughs) Am I not supposed to have my hands? What? And he says this, look, you call me teacher and Lord, which is true. Jesus is lots of things, but he is always more than those things. He says, rightfully so. And now that you call me Lord and teacher, you want to learn from me and follow after me. That's what he says in teacher and Lord. You want to learn what I'm doing, and you also want to follow after what I'm doing. Then you should do this. You should wash one another's feet. Now, be grateful that there's not huge basins of water out here and that we're not going to put this in practice today. I know for many of you, that would make you uncomfortable. Some of you would have gone, I'd like fair warning of that. Maybe gotten a little petty, <laughs> taking care of it. But if we dig deep into this, we recognize that it's not Jesus saying, this is the thing. What, what I've done here, this is the thing. Look, there are places that practice foot washing. And they've elevated it to a place that if you don't practice foot washing, you might not actually be doing what Jesus asked you to do. Does that sound familiar? Sort of like Peter. Well, why not wash my hands and my feet? I'm not saying that that practice is bad or wrong. And in fact, I have practiced that with people before. But what Jesus is pointing out is much larger than just getting our feet clean. What Jesus is saying that it is an act of service to those people and you should be always about walking in the way of a servant, moving in the direction of who they are and meeting the needs that they have and not just their physical needs, but their emotional and spiritual needs, recognizing that sometimes their physical needs are an outgrowth of something that is broken deep inside of them and they need to be washed and cleaned and restored there first and foremost, even though you might take care of their physical needs beforehand. He says to them, look, very truly, I say, no servant is greater than his master and no messenger is greater than the one who sent me. I'm sending you out. You're not greater than me and I'm not greater than the God that sent me forth. And we know that to be true because of this. As Christ is preparing our hearts to receive that he is more than a servant, as he is correcting us in our hearts where we decide that we can't possibly be like Jesus or we can't do the things and care for people the way that Jesus cared for them. He says, no, no, you can because I am with you. I'm walking with you. He reminds us through Paul in Philippians what his attitude is. And this is the amazing thing for me. Philippians 2, it says this, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Recognize that have Christ's mind, which is yours in Christ, meaning that you are there with him, who, though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death 
on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Let me go back to Greenleaf. A particular strength of servant leadership is that it encourages everyone to actively seek opportunities to both serve and lead others, thereby setting up the potential for raising the quality of life throughout society. Well, Robert has a good idea there. Raising the quality of life for everyone. Jesus goes further. And that's why he's more than a servant. Jesus is more than raising the quality of your life today. Jesus is about transforming your life completely today and tomorrow and for eternity. And that's why he humbled himself to what we call a servant. Now get ready to have your minds blown because it blows my mind every time I think about this. That word that's used in the Greek there that we in English translate so often servant also means slave. And more likely than servant, because a servant could get free. A servant is sort of like the butler, Jeeves, who's like, how can I help you, sir? And they live in the house and they're able to do good things and, and they ha- kind of have things provided for them. But a slave in this culture, a slave in this time, a slave in every time, even today, is one who is pushed down and broken and set aside, one who is under oppression, one who has no rights, no worth, no standing. And Jesus says, I'm your slave. I became a slave. No standing so that you could have standing. And when we grab that standing, we shouldn't hold on to it and go, now I've got standing. No. We in turn turn around and say, how can I follow this slave to give myself to him and to all others that I encounter? Let me pray for us. Father, you are good Jesus, and all you do is good. And it is hard to see that, so help us in our unbelief. Help us to know that in this times that are trying and these places of pain and brokenness, you are bringing about restoration and that you do it not from a position of uh, top pyramid power, but you come underneath us and, and you empower us to live a life that is worthy of the calling you have put on us through Christ. Father, if if there are those that are here that are wondering about this, we just ask, Lord, that you will guide their hearts to understanding who you are. And Father, for those of us who have walked with you for a while, break our hearts where we've become prideful and forgotten that the life of following you is one of a slave, of a servant, of one who has no standing outside of the standing that we have in you alone. Father, it's in your good grace and in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Would you stand up as we respond to the words of God through singing?